All right, welcome back to the Big Texas Podcast presented by Texas Young Republicans. I am your host, Jordan Overturf, bringing to you another candidate in the race to represent us in the Texas legislature. His name is William Boer, and he is running in Senate District 13 to unseat a career politician democrat we'll get to that uh here in a minute but first as always we've got a little bit of housekeeping to take care of right now early voting continues in the special election runoffs for house district 28 and house district 148 this forbes bend county and houston uh we got gary gates running in hd 28 to uh Make sure we hold on to that Republican seat. Democrats from across the nation have been getting involved, coming down and endorsing in that race. The Democrat who is uh, trying to flip that district. And so if you live in HD 28, remember early voting continues this week. Election day is Tuesday, January 28th. Also over in HD 148, Louis LaRota, friend of the podcast, is running to become the first Republican representative in House District 148. That's in Houston proper, stretching from downtown out west. If you want to learn more about uh, these candidates, you can go back and listen to the podcast with Louis, episode one. Uh, you can also visit the RPT page. You can uh, find them on social media. This is an important election to get involved in. Again, special election runoff in HD 28 and HD 148. Make sure you get out there and vote, people. Okay. My guest today is William Boer. He is, like I said, running in Senate District 13 uh, against uh, a Democrat. Well, he's got a primary first, uh, but he is hoping to become the Republican nominee so he can take on a Democrat who is a career politician who uh, was appointed to this position uh, in backroom deals with Democrats a few years back. This is the first election that that uh, senator is going to face, and William is trying to give him a serious challenge. Uh, you know, William's definitely a character and we got into some policy issues, but a uh, bigger part of his focus is on the type of representation that Senate District 13 needs, not the representation it has, but the actual representation that it needs. So I'm going to get out of the way and let him explain more about it, his history, his background. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. William Boer. people, some women. And one of the things I always tell them, I say, the people who want to find you and help you will. Don't go chasing rainbows and stars because if they don't want to deal with you, they're not going to deal with you. You know, be aggressive. Put yourself out there. Say, I'm capable of and I'm willing to. I have capacity. So is that the approach you're taking here in SD13 for this uh, for this race? So I think, uh, so when you think about Senate District 13, we haven't had a Republican up until this point run for this forever in a day. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fellow who's running for uh, Boris Miles uh, is, was a former state rep. Yeah. And then he got his particular uh, role because Rodney Ellis got a different sitting. And before that, Rodney Ellis sat in the seat forever in a day. He's yeah. a great guy. He's that kind of Democrat that everybody can get with. Mm -hmm. um, Boris has his own set of issues. And 
I grew up in this district, so I grew up in an area called Sunnyside and Harm Clark. I went to the schools in this district. There you go. And now we live in an area called Missouri City Okay. in this district. Mm-hmm. Um, side note, that's where Beyonce used to live. Yeah, I know it well. I grew up in uh, <laughs> A-Leaf. So ah, I, yeah. so you know it. That's yeah. in this district. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we haven't had anybody take care of us. When I think about SD13 growing up, right, folks come and make their money there, and then they go back home. So you have the medical center there, the the, the museum district there. You have the um, you have the energy corridor there. You have downtown there. You have all of the money making machines are in this district. Yeah, and the folks who live in this district don't benefit that. People come, they get their money, and they go home, and they leave abandoned buildings for us to guard. Um, they come, they get their drinks, they leave vomit on the floor. And meanwhile, the folks who are in this district don't benefit from it, right? Unless they're in some service profession toward it. Um, and now what you see here, whether it's Sharpstown, whether it's Acres Home, whether it's Fifth Ward, yeah. is all of this gentrification that's going on. And, you know, Senate Bill 2 came out last year where it was supposed to at least limit the taxes increases. Yeah. And Boris Miles was in this district. He was absent on the vote. Now, Boris is a black guy just like I am. Yep. His, his folks are from this area, just like mine are. Mm-hmm. And these old folks whose first homes as freeze black folks, taxes are going up. Yeah. And you're absent on the vote. You know, that's the kind of stuff that has got to stop, right? You know, this self-enriching, whether it's, you know, blue or red, you know, you need somebody out there saying, you know what, I'm going to cuss everybody out. I'm not on gang Republican. I'm not on gang Democrat. But I care about the folks in this district. When you think about SD13, half the homes in this district speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's part of the reason we as Republicans are kind of messing this district up. Yeah. Because when you pull the numbers, they fit into this independent category. So even though you have 1.2 million people in this, you pull the numbers for the people who voted in the total number in the last four primaries, 25,000. Yeah. What's going on? Mm-hmm. What's going on is we're not doing an effective job of reaching real people. You know, so when I think about the clubs that are attached to this district, uh, the folks, they enjoy a good little barbecue party at a fancy house, a good little cigar here and there. Um, You know, the majority party, the majority race. Then you look at the black and brown folks and they have their own elitism going on. Nobody's reaching out to real folks, talking to them at a real level. And when we think about how we are approaching uh, this 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 category, as I've gone through this process, everyone says, oh, you just go to the churches. No, the churches are, are, are biased, frankly. They already are, uh, you know, in in position for other folks who've been in here for a long time. Yeah. You know, we've got to do more than go to a regular church, right? We've got to get, you know, one of the things I talked about is, um, so, so part of my background, I used to, uh, when I, in my consulting days, did work with entertainers, right? Okay. You know, and, and the big thing about reaching this population, you need to go to the streets. You need street entertainers. You need promoters who know these people who have those lists and who can offer you a venue that they're comfortable in. Yeah. And that's something we're not doing a very good job at. You know, people, you, you look at the special election with um, um, Pete, um, I mean, not Pete, not Pete Olson's election. Louis uh, Gary, Gary, Gates, Gary, Gary Gates. Gates. Okay, yeah. You know, and finally Fort Bend Republicans have decided to even get out their houses and go knock on a door for him. Mm-hmm. That's great, but we shouldn't be defending <laughs> that seat. Right. You yeah. Know, and that's the problem is we're on the defense right now as Republicans. And it, there's no reason for that. You know, certainly not in an area like Fort Bend should they be on defense. for. That well, I think part of that is the amount of national attention that has suddenly come down upon this little house district right. seat. 
right? You know, and part of it is certainly we need to make sure we're proactive and not letting Democrats control the narrative in 2020. These two races certainly are an opportunity. You know, HD28 mm-hmm. is an opportunity for Democrats to come in and say, oh, look, right. the tide is turning. On the other side of that, you got 148 with Louis LaRota, right, Louis. you know, where you have the opposite, where Republicans are trying to turn that district red. Right. And, you know, on the other side, try and control the narrative as well. So, you know, you're right. We do need to be making sure that we are out there. We are, you know, on the offensive. We are being engaged rather than waiting to be engaged. Absolutely. I, I think I think Louis' race is a perfect template for what we need to do, period. Yeah. You know, and when I think about Texas Senate District 13 that I'm running in, you know, what's, what's, what's really important is, A, why not turn the tide on there? You know, why not put the Democrats on defense? You have a man who's been accused of a lot of issues in, in the seat as a Democrat, a man who other Democratic senators wanted to censure on the Texas House floor. And this isn't a seat we saw to say, let's go after and let's do it. And, you know, part of it was, you know, you know, my background, I, I've worked on, you know, I went to, I grew up in Houston. I went to Yale undergrad. I worked at Goldman Sachs and, McKinsey and all of these places. And I went to Columbia for business school. I've worked internationally. So, you know, my first boss was Steve Mnuchin. You know? Okay. And so, you know. <laughs> you I, still have contact with him? Maybe. Right. Well, <laughs> you know, I was a, a Trump White House fellow for okay. our, this region uh, about two years ago. Oh, wow. Um, you know, so I'm very much a Republican. Right? Yeah. And so when I come back and I see my home district, you know, along 59, right, in this area called Sharpstown. Right? Yeah. You know, it's just a bunch of parking lots, right? And, and I uh, co-founded the Southwest Pachyderms Club, right? And it, it's it's in that area. And I'm talking to some of the folks. And I'm like, this is this is the next this is the next world going on right here. All of them, all of them. These are Republicans. Oh no, nobody wants to live here. Okay, this is SD13. This is five minutes from the Galleria, fifteen minutes from downtown. Yeah. And all I see are parking lots, i.e., future places for high rises. This is prime real estate right now. They're waiting for everybody to leave, right? That's where you put parking lots up, yeah, right, or, or car lots or whatever you call it, um, is you're just waiting for everybody to leave mm-hmm. um, and run it in the ground. But we don't have the vision, right, because we're so stuck on, you know, oh, we can, let's get Fort Ben. Let's get, no, 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 we didn't do what we were supposed to do, right? That's why we're fighting Fort Ben now. Mm-hmm. But we can put energy behind maintaining what we should already have. Yeah. And then looking at areas like the one Louis in, the one I'm running in in, mm-hmm. in Senate District 13. Well, and I don't think people understand that Boris hasn't actually faced an election challenge in this uh in this seat. He was appointed there's some speculation on the the method in which he uh, earned that uh, appointment, uh, but it was all controlled by Democratic Party leadership. There were no voters involved in putting Boris there. None whatsoever. I mean, Boris used to be a state rep for an area east of 288, basically, so South Park, uh, Summer Third Ward. Yeah. So this seat actually is this huge check mark that's going from all the way west down into Stafford, into Westbury, into Brazewood, into the Museum District, the Third Ward District, the Medical Center, all the way up to the Entertainment, Reliance Stadium, all the way through downtown, and then some. He's never run this race. When Boris came to do his 86 legislator update, he had to borrow a courtroom from Judge Clouser because he knew no one out in Missouri City. Wow. And then the interesting thing about it is, you know, I went up to Fifth Ward. There's a, one of the oldest black Catholic churches, and I went there— um, 
you know, I guess back in the fall, um, they were doing a trip. And so I gave them breakfast and got a chance to meet with them. And Rodney Ellis's commissioners actually gave them a bus to go up. They don't know him. They know him. They know his mom. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he's not from there. And I was shocked. I thought he would know that district better. Um, so I, I think it's a huge opportunity if we find the right candidate. You know, so when I look at my competitor who's running, we have a second Republican competitor. Um, she's traditional. She's a traditional Republican who I just don't think is going to connect. For you to get these black and brown folks who think white people are racist and anti them, who attach all the negativity people throw on Donald Trump and all this other stuff to all of us, right? You're going to have to have somebody that can have that conversation with them. So if you look at the things that I've done in this race so far, you know, I spent time, we did a Fifth Ward backpack giveaway with Eric Dick um, yeah. and his group. Huge church in Fifth Ward. Um, we gave, I think, 1,800 backpacks away. Um, one day, um, you know, I took my team. Um, we did uh, Mills, um, Mills, um, Mills on Wheels for elderly people. Okay. We did 800 breakfasts. So the so way that works is you actually go in, you, you and the, uh, the folks whose homes they go to, it's a whole week's worth of breakfast they have. Oh, wow. And so that was during the... Uh, uh, you know, first of the year, the new year. So mm -hmm. you didn't want them to be without that kind of help. Yeah. You know, so we've done that. I've also have done a lot of work with youth, right? Even though you look at the numbers and older people, the ones who are voting, I still go back to the Donald Trump theory that the older people are voting because we haven't told young folks what it's about. Uh, last weekend, I went to the Harris County Jail and registered people. Right. Okay. Literally, I get there. I'm in the pods. Right. So you talk, I mean, you know, at the little metal table with yeah. everyone and explaining what an election is. I literally had to break it down and explain to them, you, you could be a Republican. They had no idea of this set of folks. Now, you know, when I think about it, if we if we it just they were automatically predisposed to saying they were a Democrat. Mm -hmm. And so when I explained to them what the primary process was, yeah. you know, you can pick a primary, you can choose to vote in either one. It doesn't mean you're bound to it in the November election. So many of them wanted to know more about being Republican. So many more than want to know what was about, who was on it for the Republican platform, because that's not what the media puts out there. Yeah. Right. We got, you know, a shift show going on. And then you got the 10 failed Democratic presidential candidates who, you know, can't inspire anybody. And are dropping like flies. Dropping like flies and calling everybody racist in the process. Yeah, and trying to endorse people and control control their supporters right. and where who they go and vote for. Well, and then it, the best is Bloomberg, right? I'm going to drop a billion dollars, but money I, shouldn't count. $56 billion was the headline I read today. Right. He's willing to spend $56 billion uh, to take down Donald Trump. Right. I mean, you got that kind of ego, right? I mean, that's the same ego. What's the old man um, that did the... Uh, the trial against him, Nadler, that hates no. him, yeah. hates him from 40 years ago mm -hmm. when they were all boys. <laughs> you know, he still has a, a you know, a, 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 you know, a, a schoolyard fight with Donald Trump. Yeah. You know, you will do anything you can to keep this man from being successful. Mm -hmm. You know, and my other thing, you know, and again, this is what we have to think about as Republicans. Who's the right candidate that can give us our right message? I have no problem taking it on when I go out there into our district. You know, the funny thing is one of my mother's uh, clubs has a lot of Boris Miles uh, supporters in it. Yeah. And so, you know, my mom, my sister, my godmother, they're handing out the card. They're like, he's running against Boris. Right. Yeah. Let's have this conversation. Right? Yeah. Let's let's say why we're going to do this. When I, I did another one, there's a 
so uh, a distinguished black women are part of an organization called the Lynx. Okay. And so I was talking to one woman um, about it, and she's like, well, I just can't support a Democrat. I said, okay, but you can vote for Boris Miles. Given all you know, you can go to the Daily Beast and Google Boris Miles, and it is shocking what is in that article. And there's no way you're going to tell me that if you look at the number of independents in this district, mm -hmm. if you get to those independents, and you give them the right set of information, they can consciously go in in an election. Remember, this is an election that there's no more straight ticketing ballot. Yeah, You have to consciously say, I'm going to choose this man accused of these things in this Daily Beast article. Yeah. Right? And I doubt very seriously when you eliminate all other issues between a candidate on our side with their candidate. If you have to pick the same little boy you all know, the boy that's been in the Houston Chronicle since he was in third grade at Grissom Elementary, the kid who went to Westbury, the kid who went to health professions, right? Mm -hmm. The kid who brought home the International Science and Engineering Fair grand prize to Houston. If you have to do all of that, because you've known me forever, the kid that went to vacation Bible school at Windsor Village Baptist Church, the kid that hung out at Brentwood Baptist Church, yep. there's no way you're going to tell me you can vote for him, right? He's had his time. He did what he did. You know, let him stand on his own. I mean, one of the things that peeve me off, right, with the Democrats, and again, I come from a good Democratic family, is what have you done for us, right? You know, Boris has, you know, he has a Democratic challenger now, and, you know, she's a nice lady. The funny thing is the woman I'm running against is Melinda Morris McConnell, okay. and this woman's name is Melinda Morris as well. And they both are using Melinda Morris. So our, our, our Republican Melinda is an I. Okay. The Democratic one is an E, so I think that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> These Melinda's say, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. <laughs> so you're obviously, I mean, a big part of this cycle is voter outreach, voter engagement, Absolutely. and you've got that down pat, clearly. What are the specific issues that voters are keying in on for, you know, when you're out talking to them? Right. So so for us, when we get out there, right, and, and you know, and our, my, again, it's a very diverse district, you know, uh, you know, the biggest things that we're talking about is a infrastructure. I mean, uh, B education and C's regulation. Yeah. What I, I pull all that together is to say, you know, Senate district 13 is an economic engine mm -hmm. and folks want to participate in that. You know, when I look at a lot of the things that Boris has done and other Democrats have done, it's, Oh, we're going to have a job fair and give you a job. Right. But what people want is we're going to teach you how to set your business up. We're going to, as your state senator, create this system that you can come on in here and we're going to talk to you who wants, you know, Houston Community College does this wonderful small business uh, outreach. You have another minority business development associated with HCC. Mm -hmm. There is no reason why the state senator should not be working with them to give you a, an off-the-shelf packet on how to get things done how to go through a bank process. And, and, and there's so many people. When I was a consultant at Booz Allen at, at, at McKinsey, you know, one of the things that we spent a lot of time with was, you know, let's volunteer and be a consultant. So my, um, my mentor is a fellow named Reggie Van Lee. Reggie is a black guy, went to MIT, Harvard Business School, senior partner at Booz Allen. He's now at the Carlisle Group. Okay. He grew up in, um, in Sunnyside, right? He went to Worthing High School. And so... You know, that was his one of his biggest things is giving back. And there's so few of us that actually make our money mm -hmm. and say, you know what, I want to teach other people how to do it. One of my main initiatives that I would love to do, instead of taking all that money to have an office somewhere, right, let's do some virtual offices and let's get a big complex for um, 
you know, Silicon Valley type of stuff, startups and teaching kids how to do this and pairing, you know, we have three universities in our area. We have the University of Houston, we have Rice, we have Texas Southern. There is, we have actually, let me, Houston Baptist is in the district as well. There is no reason on God's green earth that we can't find 10 kids per school or 10 college kids who are in business Uh who want to participate with teams of kids and align them from business people in our district to the college kids, to the high school kids that are interested, right? Because when I um, was in high school, again, science fair is my thing. You know, it was hard for me. I had to write, you know, I had a lot of help from mobile and Exxon, but I would write notes and people would send me things. I had a mentor at Rice. I would go up and meet with her. Um, that really got me over the hump to win. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff I think that a senator's office should be doing. You know, I, I look at all these senators in Texas and say, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, what, I mean, you look at the fellow, is his name Royce West or? Yeah, who's running uh, yeah. for the uh, U.S. Senate seat against Cornyn, yeah. And then they open his books because it's federal now. Yeah. How do you make $700 a month and you're worth that? And then when you open your books, it said that they, I, 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 you know, you check for yourself. It says that he's making money from Houston ISD, Dallas ISD. That's bananas you know and i think somebody showed me a document when sylvester turner's books got open how boris miles or somebody had a contract or something with them yeah you know and then you look at you know boris had a um a cigar bar a private members club cigar bar and all the folks in the district used to go to it and um as you say, then he gets, you know, the seat that way. So my question is, what's going on in these back rooms? Right? Yeah. And again, I, I take Republicans to task for this as well. You know, what's going on in this house? You know, what's going on in at Cafe Annie's in the members room? Like, you know, I, I'm not just jumping on boards because that's another thing. And this is a warning to us as Republicans. One of the things that completely turned me off with this party um, was going to these different meetings, whether it's with the Pacderms, whether it's with the so-and-so Republican club, or da-da-da-da-da. If you could hear the pure vitriol they speak of Sheila Jackson Lee, mm-hmm. the pure vitriol they speak of Al Green. Uh, Green. Now, yeah. I'm no fan of either one of them, yeah. right? But when you attack those two in particular the way we do, right, mm-hmm. and you don't attack their white Democratic counterparts in that way, it raises a red flag. Yeah. You know, and I'll I'll say it up front. You know, Sheila Jackson Lee has always been, you know, she's she's tough, um, but she shows up, right? Almost like a Maxine Waters. You know, I did a meeting in New York with Columbia Law School, and she came up and she spoke, you know, and, and that was great. You know, um, I was her constituents, clearly not a Democrat. Yeah. Um, but she came up and spoke on our behalf. Um, that's the kind of stuff that I hope that my run does for us, right? We've got to cross these, 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 these aisles. I mean, Boris put a, um, in the last legislative session, he put up a bill that would have declared, I guess, that Northwest Houston area, part of the district, an economic zone. Okay. But he couldn't get along with the governor, apparently. Yeah. And the governor vetoed it. Mm-hmm. We, we don't need that, right? Yeah. I, I don't have time. I honestly have no time for vanity projects like, you know, the graveyard folks, you know, and fighting Abbott. <laughs> and my people are hungry who are living today. Yeah. Right? 
Well, it seems like you have a very strong community up right. platform, right? Absolutely. And, and you, it seems like your interest is in using the office to build bridges to other partners in the community. So that way the constituents that you serve who elect you and those who, who don't elect you still benefit from all the work that you're supposed to be doing as a state senator. Um, I guess from the policy side of things, you know, obviously having a staff that is dedicated to that mission uh, helps you. But from the policy standpoint, what do you think can be done in order to get more of these community uh, programs going? Right. And so I start off with, you know, I'm careful not to use the word program. Right. Yeah. You know, because I don't believe in programs. What I believe in you doing, what, is, what did Trump say about uh, the Ukraine guy? I just want you to do the right thing. <laughs> you know, I just want him to do the right thing. You know, and I think, I'm sorry, if I can bully these people, you know, if the Senate role is a bully pulpit and all these different things, then you should influence, right? I think the role of the senator is to say, you know what, I'm going to take the lead on this program. I'm mm-hmm. going to find a counterpart. You know, so for instance, you know, one of the things I want to do with education is really look at, how we think about the 12 year program, right? Yeah. You know, why can't we do 10 years and rewrite legislation that says that in the last two years, you can take the same money we were going to allocate toward this high school, which isn't performing. Yeah. And you can go to community college. You can go to welding school. You can start your first two years there and reduce your long-term debt. Yeah. Right. Why, why, why don't we do that? I don't understand that. Well, I think you get a big pushback from public ed, like who is always counting the dollars that are coming in uh, to their districts. Right. And it, the funny thing is I was on a plane in the, I guess during Thanksgiving, okay. sat next to a man in LA and he was talking about maxing waters. And I said, oh, Lord Jesus. He was like, no, no, no. I kind of like her. I said, oh, he, he started to explain. Maxine Waters. So there was a program in Los Angeles, just like I'm describing. It was one school in downtown L.A. And they it was outperforming all these other schools. Yeah. The kids were getting degrees they could use that they're not on the system and not, you know, repeating it. And they slowly tried to shut it down. And he said to me, I wrote everybody. I wrote everybody. No one listened to me. He was a, uh, like a, a teacher in the program. He said, it wasn't until I wrote Maxine Waters and she went out there, you know, with her bullhorn, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the kind of thing I'm saying. You know, when you talk about, okay, how we're going to cross boundaries. Well, if Maxine Waters has figured this out at congressional level, yeah, you know, let's just, you know, see what Auntie Max wants to talk about. You know, that works, you know, those cross things, but recognizing that, uh, a Sheila Jackson Lee doesn't have to be an enemy when we're representing the same set of folks. And so in my district, for instance, you know, it crosses that sit, uh, Senate District 7. So that's Cindy Siegel and uh, Wesley Hunt are running in there. Yeah. There's no reason why they can't work with their state senator, right? Somebody was telling somebody, you know, Wesley Hunt, he's your, uh, your clean, good. I, oh, my goodness. I'm sounding like a, a Biden now. <laughs> you know, but he's your, you know, he's on it, right? Yeah. Uh, and so is Cindy. I mean, William is your... He's a little more rambunctious, right? But then that's the state house. You know, they have to be perfect in, in that congressional level. Uh-huh. You know, so there's no reason why I don't think we have. I, I don't understand why we don't have more linkages. Mm-hmm. You know, so for instance, Ivanka Ivanka Trump has all of these amazing. So we talk about policy levels, and this is what I mean by what your state senator should be doing. Ivanka has a whole program where she's gotten Microsoft, Google, and all these people roped into giving kids jobs and training programs. Yeah, I'm sorry. You have a Republican president, a Republican governor, Republican senators, 
And if you have a, a, a Republican senator from Senate District 13, he's going to get on the phone and say, what's going on? Can we get some of this here? Right. And so I'm a big believer in keeping our costs down. Yeah. If we're already doing it, let's not replicate it. Let's figure out how it can fit into this process, right? So let's think about these things like modules, <laughs> you know, how they fit together. And I'm not saying we have to do all this stuff together because this is another thing about, you know, the state house and all this nonsense that's going on. I, we don't have to agree on, but three things we're going to get done this year, mm-hmm. right? I'm sure there are three things we can all agree on and leave this other stuff to fight about in the press. But... You know, we all agree. For, so wait, for you, what would those three things be? What would be the three things that you would want the, the House and the Senate to agree on? The first thing I would love us to do. So, for instance, when you look at Houston, right, um, you know, we have an infrastructure problem. Yeah. Right? And when I say infrastructure crosses lots of things, but let's start off with our flooding issue, right? Yeah. You know, part of the reasons why we're flooding so is you have the Harris County flood zone, the Fort Bend County, the Houston. Then you have new developers who are using things and not building correct flooding planes and all these different things. You have all these different folks who have responsibility for this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, the state, that's something to me. If you ask me, what can, the, what's the state's role, something that's affecting an area like Houston, then we're flooding and we can't, we're losing money when, when, when it rains, we lose lights. That's a, that's a, that's a state level thing. Right. And it needs to be pulled together, or at least it needs to be led from that level. Yeah. Um, you know, you talk about we had Hurricane Harvey. Uh, the program that George P. Bush did is doing more to rebuild homes than the program that Sylvester Turner in Houston is doing. And demanded. The, and demanded. Let's, let's be clear. The mayor demanded to have control over that money and those programs. And we have seen clearly from the reporting recently that he has done a horrible job. Horrible job. But we have $95,000 interns. You know, and, and, you know, and firefighters who are uh, watching their pensions evaporate because of poor management at the city level. Absolutely. And it's it's funny, even things like so I've spent time out with the Fort Bend Sheriff Niels mm-hmm. um, just in the Fort Bend County Jail. You know, and this isn't necessarily a plug because, you know, district this congressional 22, you may get cut if you put your, <laughs> put, put, put your position out. Well, I'm surprised you're not also running in that. Uh, well, you know, why not? Half half of the population in that district uh, is running. 30. But, you know, Sheriff Niels, I went out there with him um, maybe like last uh, maybe like last May or so. He toured me around. He did such a good job at that jail. Like things like their commissary that they get. He takes that money and pays for Warden Community College professors to come in. He connects um, local folks who will hire them. Folks come in and tell the guys, if you finish this program, you'll have a job getting out of here. So he's very forward thinking. He has a, um, what do you call it, uh, a farm that the prisoners work at. Oh, yeah, I, I know it. I drove <laughs> by it a lot as a kid. And so that's the kind of like when I say, okay, he's taking his office and doing non-traditional things mm-hmm. to make it happen. That's the same kind of attitude I think a senator should, a state senator in particular, should be doing. Mm-hmm. How can I use my powers of influence in this role to do things other than get, you know, a Vincent Elkins another contract? You know, if Vincent Elkins wants this contract, what is Vincent Elkins going to do for these kids down here? Yeah. Right? You all, you going to pair them up? I mean, I have a friend from business school has a hedge fund. In Baltimore. Okay. And he, they literally, um, part of these people's compensation package is to go out and help those kids in those areas. You know, that's the kind of stuff. You know, I'm not telling 
you know, Baker Botts, Vince L, any of all the fancy ones, I may get sued for this. But <laughs> any of those folks or Exxon or any of them, here's what you should do. But what I am saying is, hey, here's a program I've seen work. Right. So you talk about my experience. You know, I've lived when I left Houston, I went to New Haven. Um, my first job was actually in Charlotte uh, with Nations Bank. And okay. then from there, um, I went back up to New York, worked with Booz Allen Hamilton um, and then went over to uh, J.P. Morgan in London and uh, built out our credit derivatives product there. So I covered Europe, the Middle East and Africa in that process. I came back. I did a startup, you know, went back to business school at Columbia summered at the Boston Consulting Group, uh, came out, worked at a company called Mitchell Madison, which is a spinoff of McKinsey's Financial Services Partners. Yeah. So I was in the middle of all of that fun stuff when the company country was melting down. Yeah. The funny thing is uh, there's a fellow out in uh, South Carolina running against Lindsey Graham, Jamie Harrison. Mm -hmm. So Jamie was a WIPS intern or whatever the word would be, and Jamie and I actually went to college together. And when the process was melting down, um, we – start talking because he's there trying to convince these people, this is why we have to do this. The world is on fire. Um, but I got called in and I did, I helped with the dissolution of GM into uh, or GM financial general motors into general GM financial and ally bank. Yeah. From there I went on, I did the merger of PNC bank with national city. Um, so I spent time there. And then from there I went down and did the merge of Wells Fargo, um, Wachovia and AG Edwards. Um, mm -hmm. Well, as we wrap up here, uh, I mean, before we do, I, I want to make a comparison here that maybe sound a little familiar to our listeners. You sound like a guy who has not been terribly politically active, mm -hmm. who has spent some years, you know, building yourself uh, in your career, working in business, approaching things from a very uh, business minded, community oriented uh, position. And four years ago, we saw a candidate rise to the top who is, you know, a little rambunctious, <laughs> has some of those same uh, similar background and qualities, and the country latched on to it. Uh, as you get ready for this, uh, this primary on March 3rd, what uh, here's your chance right now to our listeners, hopefully uh, SD13 uh, audience. What is your message to them? Why should they sh support William Boer? You know, I, you should support William Boer because it is insanity to keep doing the same things we're doing, right? It is insane to keep sending lifelong politicians to this state house. It is insane to send somebody who doesn't have anything other than I'm a strong Republican that wears red, right? We need a plan. We need a plan. And William Boer's plan is very simple economic development. I believe if you give people the opportunity to lift themselves up, they will not only lift themselves up, they'll lift their family up, they'll lift their communities up. And ultimately, they will come to us, they will see why it benefited them not to just get, oh, a 15 hour dollar minimum wage, which fired half their family when we lifted it, but to actually say, hey, here's a loan program already in existence. Here's some training. Hey, here's how you do it. And that's what I'm about. And you also need Republicans like me who are not afraid to go in a district, right? I have cornrows right now, for God's sake. Don't add, don't tell anybody. Oh, I just did. <laughs> you know, because, you know, you can't be afraid of the folks who you want to represent. We cannot continue to try to legislate people who folks perceive us hating. And, and you know, if you want to know more about us, you know, we have a website, believe it or not. It's, um, it's Boer2020, TX, Senate13.org. 
And uh, you can find us on the Facebook. Yeah, I did just say the Facebook. You can find us there, um, Boer. Um, uh, I think it's Boer 2020 as well. Um, and get back to us. Let us know. There you go. Well, I, thank you so much. Uh, you know, if you win the primary, we'll bring you back and we'll have a little bit longer conversation about uh, what it's going to take to defeat the Democrat in November. Absolutely. Excellent. Absolutely. Thank appreciate you so it. much for having me. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you again to William for joining us. Uh, he went look real quick on the website, so I'm going to give it to you again. It's Boer, B-O-O-H-E-R 2020 TX Senate 13, the number 13 dot O-R-G. Uh, if you want to find him on Facebook, you can search for Boer 2020 or email him William at Boer 2020 TX Senate 13 dot O-R-G. Uh, we got plenty more candidates coming up. I'm going to be heading north uh, this weekend to go talk to some candidates in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Really looking forward to that. If you're a candidate and you want to come on the podcast, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Big Texas, Pol- at Big Texas Podcast. You think I have this down by now. Uh, Again, Twitter, Instagram, at Big Texas Podcast. Make sure you're following Texas Young Republicans on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And as always, you can go to our website, texasyr.gop. We got a lot of work to do before March 3rd in the primary, and I want to interview as many candidates as possible. Uh, To those that have come on and those who have listened, subscribed on iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff, we appreciate you so much. We thank you for listening, tuning in, taking part, engaging, getting active. That's it for me. Until then, friends, we'll see you down the road.